I'm Susan Grace, and this is Be the Evidence. We are at the new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio. So we have a lot to cover today. Um, First of all, eclipses 101. In case you haven't followed me before during an eclipse season, eclipses happen about twice a year, every year. The first eclipse opens like a window of the eclipse season. And the second eclipse, or in some cases, they travel in threes. In some cases, it would be the third. But the last eclipse, usually it's the second, closes the window. Um, For the first eclipse, it usually starts to pull us in about a week out. And then it continues to deliver for a week after. Then a week after, we're at the halfway mark between the first and the second eclipse. And that's when the first eclipse starts to let go of us and the second eclipse starts to pull us in. Then that second eclipse will deliver for about another week after that. I usually try and ask people to hold off on making decisions or going in new directions or feeling like you have things figured out until we fully get to that next moon. It'll be new moon in Sagittarius on um, November 23rd. That's, that's really stretching it to wait that far. I personally wait that long and I, but I know it's asking a lot for people to wait that long. And so not everybody does, but try to wait until um, a week after the second eclipse before you start to uh, survey the land, okay? In between eclipses, um, what I usually tell people is that it's like taking a Mercury retrograde and Uranus, put them together, turn it up to 50, okay? This particular eclipse cycle has um, a loaded up Scorpio south node. So it's Venus, obviously the moon, sun, Mercury moving through Scorpio with the south node, and then Uranus at the north node, square Saturn in Aquarius, and Mars retrograde beginning the 30th in Gemini. So that is quite literally taking super juiced up Mercury, a retrograde through Mars in Mercury's sign. And then the second eclipse will be at 16 degrees on Uranus. So it's a lot more intense, a lot more volatile, and a lot more confusing than other eclipse cycles. Plus, we've been walking towards this one for, you know, a couple years. Uh, The Saturn and Jupiter great conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius started um, a a cycle of of squaring off uh, into, into the fixed, squaring off and opposing the fixed signs. Yeah, that was December 21st, 2020. And then the nodes went into Scorpio and Taurus in January of 2022 of this year. So the fixed signs have been building and building and building. The next eclipse cycle that we have um, next year will involve Aries and Scorpio. It won't, it won't still be uh, Scorpio and Taurus uh, because the, the nodes are going to change signs again in July of 2023. And the the square between Uranus and Saturn is going to start to break apart. So all of that saying, 
uh, all of that to mean that that this eclipse cycle is really big, and we're we're not real sure what it's going to deliver, but it's not going to be uneventful. Okay, so first of all, just generally speaking, when we're in eclipses, I tell people pay attention to everything, cling to nothing, and what I mean by that is that life has a weird way of showing you things in in the eclipse cycles that that feel super weird and so some if you look up and you're like i think that was my eclipse but then you say ah probably not i ask people to stop go back and reconsider because it it might be um that eclipses eclipses in astrology are called the bringers of change and they bring in change we didn't see coming so it necessarily and and by design kind of catches us off guard and gets us outside of our comfort zone and surprises us and it just feels super weird so pay attention to everything cling to nothing is a lot of times when we get into the eclipse window it feels so strange and trippy and weird and it it can feel like it it can feel like you've been set adrift in no man's land um sometimes people will feel like they need to start pulling levers to make things happen just so they know what they're dealing with. And that would be uh, something you don't want to do because you can't see everything that you're looking at because of the eclipses themselves and because Uranus is involved and because Mars retrograde and Gemini is involved. And so you want to not try and, and, and declare that you have everything figured out and that you can see everything because you don't. Nobody does. All right. So specifically these eclipses, the first one that we're in now, new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio. So a solar eclipse is usually like a defib. I say it's a defibrillator on your ego, how you self-identify. Something comes in and goes boom, and you identify yourself differently. You know yourself differently or different, different version of yourself. In Scorpio, I feel strongly that everyone is going to have to leave something behind. And um, sometimes people ask me, how will you know that you need to leave something behind? To which I say, it will be obvious. Scorpio is not subtle. If you have been dealing with something, looking at something, considering something that you know is moving on, that is no longer viable, that needs to get out of the way so that you can go in new directions and, and, and find a new way of being, you already know what it is. You've just been ignoring it. If you have to wait until Scorpio season to make you face something, you, you, you probably already know what it is. You won't need to go chasing it. You won't need to dig it up. You won't have to wonder. It's obvious. <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with that. That's one of the benefits of Scorpio season. It, when Scorpio gets here, it's like, Look, you can't do this anymore. We're done. And it's doing it on purpose. A a lot of people see Scorpio as death. And it's not death. It is resurrection. It takes something all the way to bone because it's already over. And then it clears the path to go all the way back up and resurrect. Okay? So something has to be left behind. It might be how you treat yourself. It might be how you see the world. It might be 
patterns that have been in motion for a long time that you know aren't serving you anymore, they just become habit. It's going to be, the first eclipse is going to be very personal because it's within, it's in the first 10 degrees of the sign. It's at two degrees with Venus involved too. And so two degrees is the moon. It's very emotional. Venus involved meaning means that there's a shadow in the way that is keeping, blocking you from wanting more for yourself. There's something in the way. The, one of the ways that I've seen this first eclipse happening, it started about a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, might be up to two weeks. Anyway, one of the first ways I saw this first eclipse was walking through a door, closing the door, and then the door disappears. So it's a point of no return. You, you can't go back to how it was before. And you don't want to. You don't want to. You're, you're, walking, you're walking away from something that is already dead, gone, and over, no longer useful. <clears throat> Another thing that's been coming up whenever I talk with, uh, in the readings I've been doing with people, what, during eclipse season, I'm in back-to-back nonstop readings. And that, that's, there's lots of beneficial things about that. One of, it, one of the reasons that that's beneficial is I can start to see patterns that keep coming up. Um, a couple things keep coming up in readings lately, and one is people have a feeling of completion, like now we're done, and or seal it off, or moving on, or um, putting it down. Okay, something has come to completion. The other thing that's come up a lot in readings is people feeling a need to purge, like literally getting stuff materially out of the way, like in your living space or your workspace, in your car, whatever, clearing out the space, but also internally that you've been carrying something you don't need to carry anymore. There are no more lessons in it. You're giving a zombie a piggyback ride. It's just, it's become silly. Purge, get it off. With the, the, the solar eclipse is on the 25th. In three days, Jupiter retrograde uh, will go from Aries into Pisces. The next day, Mercury goes into Scorpio. And the next day after that, Mars retrograde in Gemini. So where we're at an eclipse now, it's going to continue to build in a big wave of emotion, of water. And with Mars retrograde in Gemini, I think that there will be a Mars retrograde in Gemini is going to square into uh, Neptune and Jupiter retrograde, Neptune retrograde, Jupiter retrograde in Pisces. So there's going to be a lot of confusion. There will be a lot of talking yourself into and out of all sorts of things, which means that that will collide with other people doing the same thing. So people misunderstanding each other and sometimes arguing when they're saying the same exact same exact thing, but in different ways. Um, I think in the the wide world, there will be like a war of words uh, that's based in like confusion. People can't tell what's actually happening, something like that. So that the the water that's come in with the new moon solar eclipse, that water is gonna is going to form a wave, a really big wave. A couple of days ago, I saw that wave coming, and I felt like. <clears throat> Uh, the way to handle that, first of all, is not to do nothing. If you do nothing, a wave is going to smash into you. 
and you won't know which side is up. And so you have two choices. You can either surf the wave or you can go down below the wave and let the wave pass over you. A few days ago, I, I felt very certain that the way to go into it was to surf the wave, to try to get above it um, and let it carry you to dry land. Now that the, we're in the eclipse, and this happens often, when we go into eclipses, the bringers of change, I always say, oh, I've got this one figured out. And then it comes in and I'm like, I did not have it figured out. Wow. And I've, I've learned to try and be really open to adjusting how I'm seeing the eclipse when they actually happen. So I haven't educated guests until they're actually here. Um, now that it's here, I don't think it's surfing the wave. I think surfing the wave will lead people to bypass and you'll end up crashing onto the land whenever you find it because you haven't processed whatever needs to be faced. <clears throat> I think that the way to navigate confusion, volatility, intensity, lots of emotion is to get quiet, to go into your cave, stock your fridge with really great food that makes you feel cared for, be generous with yourself in being still. <clears throat> and you're gonna wanna let this wave pass over you. So if you've, if you've been in the ocean before, if you go below where the wave is happening, the wave can wash over you and crash, but not turn you upside down. It's above you. Okay, so letting the wave pass over without crashing into you. That means get quiet, go within, let it pass. Face what needs to be faced. You obviously are in deep water, okay? So no bypassing, no acting like something isn't happening. Get, get curious. Why is this happening? What is being shown to me? Okay, you want to know, keep asking why and be very okay with, I don't know. <clears throat> so even whenever I was preparing to talk with you today, I was asking myself these ways that I'm seeing the eclipses, is it, is it how it's being delivered to me or is it, does it apply to everyone? And my answer is, I don't know. If I'm going to ask everyone to be okay with, I don't know, then I need to be okay with, I don't know too. So whenever we're talking about these energies, you take what resonates with you and maybe find some of it as uh, interesting that you can apply later if you need to. Okay, so take what's useful, leave everything else alone. You can always come back to it. Having said that, I'd like to tell you how this first eclipse has arrived in my lived experience and also how I'm seeing it as a metaphorical concept. Okay. <clears throat> I. I, I, when, when I saw this, I checked my, my phone and it happened right when the eclipse was happening. What I saw, uh, was I was, I was in the, I was in the liminal space that I talk about often in these podcasts. And what I saw was I was carrying a box of toys in a prison that was cold and dark and gray and there was no one who cared no one who was engaged and no one was being forced to be there even people in like jail cells they were there voluntarily they put themselves in there there was no one saying you have to stay in here nothing was and i hadn't done anything 
wrong. Like I, I didn't get caught and I was sent to jail. I was like loitering, just hanging around in the prison, <laughs> made my box of toys. And, uh, and I was like, for some reason, thinking that maybe somebody needed me in there and that maybe I had something to learn. And the more I hung around, the more I was like, what am I doing? I mean, why do I have a box of toys in an adult prison where nobody cares? <laughs> what am I doing? And, and then, I don't know, weird things were happening. Like, to, in order to talk to anybody who was in a jail cell, you had to brush your teeth. And I was like, well, that's, that seems nice, right? But they didn't have any toothbrushes. What they did is one of the prison guards would come up to you and shove like a really big mouth guard in your mouth and make you sit there with it in your mouth when you're like, oh my God, I can't even breathe. Like even, not even brushing your teeth was kind, okay? <laughs> and it was, I wasn't the only one. There were other people just walking around the prison, waiting to see what's gonna happen, if anything useful might be there. Even the people who worked there didn't have to be there. They were just there because they chose it. And I was like, I could leave anytime I want. Why am I here? And then I snapped out of it. And I, and I was asking myself, well, did I walk out of the prison? And the, the answer was, I don't know, did you? And I was like, that's very ominous, yuck. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going back in. I can't leave it like that. And um, I went back into that liminal space. And I was, then I was outside in the sunshine and I was on a big wheel. And my, my, the energy of a child that felt like my son when he was little came up beside me on a big wheel and he was pretending. And he said, this is the cops, ambulance, do you need assistance? And I look over at him, I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And the child who seemed like my son was like, come on, mom, play along. I'm like, oh, am I the ambulance? And he's like, yeah, and he started giggling, right? I'm like, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. And he goes, man, do you need assistance with your ambulance? And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm answering an emergency call and I would like an escort through this traffic. And he said, follow me. <laughs> and then off we went on our big wheels. And then I snapped back out of it. I'm like, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> so it's where you're hanging around where there's no more lessons to be had. There is no care. There is no healing. There is no fun. There is no relief. There's nothing there. Why are you doing that? I'm going to take this further. And I have, I've gone back and forth about whether or not I was going to share this. And I feel like, I feel like I want to go ahead and share it, but I, but I, but I want to, I want to tell you from the outset, I am only sharing this to illustrate how that metaphor applies to real life so that if you have something similar going on with you you can maybe we can share notes right i promise that i'm not trying to make it about me i'm certainly not trying to trigger anyone and i want to show you how you can work with that metaphor okay um this part of the story is super boring to me because i've told it so many times i'm just like oh my god yawn who cares um but anyway, it's context. Uh, I have not seen my father since I was five. 
And uh, for like good 30 years, I tried to talk with him and he didn't want to talk with me. He just, he started a family, didn't like it and left. And, but he, he had done it before too. He had started another family, had a son, didn't like it, left. Then came to us, started a family, didn't like it, left. He went to a third one, started a family, liked that one and stayed. <laughs> and it was, I mean, very, of course, very damaging for a long time, but I've done, I've done so much work on it that I, I'm, it, it really, it just became a story until, I don't know, about four or five years ago, I went looking to see what was happening with him. And it turned out that he had died and I was not in the obit. My sister was not in the obit. My half brother from the family before our family was not in the obit. It's like we'd been erased. And I was like, wow, that just hit me really hard. And it hit me for a few days. It took me a few days to get past it. And then, you know, I come back to whatever. I have my own family. I don't, who cares? And then more recently, like, I don't know, four or five days ago, uh, I haven't seen my mother in 22 years. She is a not well person and she has uh, caused a lot of pain through abuse that has, was the result of her not getting help for how she was abused, okay? So um, you get to have boundaries with family, including your parents. And if something is hurting you very badly and traumatizing you over and over, you don't have to keep engaging with it. That applies to everyone, okay? So it's something that happened. Uh, that had to be severed because the, the cycles of abuse just never stopped. It just kept going and going and going. So anyway, I haven't had an emotional uh, attachment to that. Uh, this whole time, last 22 years. And then I went looking, which I don't know why I did that because my God, I know there's eclipses in the air. <laughs> what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. I didn't think it through. And I, I found her. And my, my name, obviously, as you know, is Susan. And I'm named after my mother's middle name, which is Sue. Um, so I found her and she had legally changed her name to her first name, her maiden name, and her last name. She removed Sue. And when you go and look for her, it lists all of, like, it lists her mother and her stepfather, and it lists my sister, and it lists my sister's ex-husband. Nothing about me. I've been erased. Again. And I was like, holy shit, why does this affect me? Oh, my God. And, and it, it affected me. It did. I was emotional about it. I felt like I was literally being erased and like, you know, I fall into the Scorpio thing. Like, why does this keep happening to me? Oh no, you know? And then uh, I called someone who's known me for over half my life. And uh, this person is, is probably the only person who knows everything that I've been through uh, with these people uh, in my life and how much better my life is since I've been uh, independent and have done a whole lot of healing work. And I was saying, you know, this really affected me. And I feel like I'm being erased. And uh, this person was like, my God, Susan, all of these people, they're all horrible. <laughs> these are horrible people. Who cares? Who cares? You have a great life. You have a great son. You, I mean, really, you never want to go back. You never want to go back there. What are you doing? Why are you even looking? And I'm like, Right? 
what am I doing? And so that's what I'm saying. If you keep digging up graves, you're going to encounter dead bodies. Okay. If you keep giving zombies a piggyback ride, you're going to get tired. There are no lessons there. Stop. Stop. No, when you're early on in your healing journey, you have to look at the shadow things in your life. You can't bypass. You have to name it. You have to face it. You have to sit with it. And it feels ugh, horrible. But you transmute it. You transform it. You heal it. You integrate it. You do all kinds of things to do your healing work. But at some point, it becomes your choice to keep loitering around in a cold, dark prison. Why? There's no reason. Okay, so when you decide that you're not going to touch that anymore, you're going to leave it behind. You're going to go through the door, close the door and let the door disappear. It doesn't stop there. You have to keep going. I have to keep going just like you do. I'm going to have to now I have my assignment. I'm going to have to look at every aspect of my life and where I keep going back to cold, dark places that offered nothing of healing or relief or fun or love or beauty. I just keep poking at it. I have to stop doing that. But not because I quote have to, right? Or I'm going to get in trouble or some shit, right? It's because there is the fullness of life happening. Life is wonderful. Love is present everywhere. Healing is always on offer. It is a miracle to be incarnated consciousness. And there's so much more we can do with our lives. If we'll just stop hanging around in places that offer us nothing, okay? You can do it too. We'll do it together. Let's get out of that, those cold, dark places that offer nothing and let's go live. Thank you for joining me this week. If you'd like ongoing support outside of these podcasts, you're invited to register as a member at BeTheEvidence.Live and receive your invitation to join all of our community in the new app, which we are very excited about. You can also schedule one-on-one time with me at SusanGrace.org. We'll talk again soon.